Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, two games of football during the course of this podcast. The, uh, the defeat to Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday, which we might talk about first, so that second we can talk about uh, the game against Seville that we played last Thursday. I think that would be a good way around to do it. Uh, a bit like reading a novel with a sad ending backwards, which is uh, probably the way to do that. Um, with me this week to talk about those games are Jim Grant. Good evening. Hello. How are you, Jim? All right. Yeah, very good, thank you. Excellent. You're going to go to Lyon? I am, I guess, yeah. yes. You're going to go on the train? On the train, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, your spokesman, uh, by the way. I've just decided to speak on your behalf for the entirety of this podcast. Also joining us, a very good friend of ours, it's Simon Pentel. Hello, Simon. Simon Pentel, QC. My full title. Thank you very much. Lovely to be back. And I will not be going to Lyon sur le train or any other um, mode of transport, but um, I'm sure I'll, I'll um, suffer the same um, fears and trepidations as the rest of you who actually managed to get over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to go to it, but I'm probably not. Also with us, uh, Lee J. Uh, hello, Lee. How are you? Good evening, Phil. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, we were all at the Seville game together and uh, very much enjoyed that. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to that. We should just try and get through the grind <laughs> of discussing the Tottenham Hotspur game and get on to uh, the Seville game as quickly as we can. Uh, but first of all, um, as you know, as many of you will know, I've, I've managed to uh, find a way to incorporate uh, beer into my modern lifestyle. Uh, it's um, it's taken a while, but I, I, th- I think it now fits in neatly with uh, the way I live my life. And um, uh, by coincidence, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Beer 52. Uh, every month, Beer 52 sends you a case of beer, each case with a different theme. Uh, usually that theme is that it's from a different part of the world every month. Uh, members have tasted beer from 40 different countries spanning five continents. 
And, and this is the interesting part, Beer 52 are offering Stop Hammer Time uh, listeners a free case of craft beer. That's eight delicious craft beers from some of the best breweries in the planet. And uh, all you do is simply go to uh, www.beer52.com. Those are the numbers five rather than the words five. Uh, beer52.com forward slash hammer. And you cover the five ninety five for postage to claim your free case of beer. Uh, you also... The subscribers every month get a free mag, uh, talking about the uh, the themes, uh, the beers, the producers, and uh, some snacks to wash down with your beer. Uh, if you like a certain type of beer, like light beer or dark beer, you can you can tailor that to your needs. And uh, there's no minimum commitment. You can pause. You can cancel the contract at any time. So don't forget that's www.beer52.com forward slash hammer to claim your free case of beer. So, uh, none of us went to the Spurs game, uh, unusually. Uh, in, um, we normally managed to go. Uh, Lee, you and I went to the uh, Carabao Cup game earlier this season, which was actually a really good game of football, uh, even though we lost 2-1. Um, quite a kind of febrile atmosphere, wasn't there? And maybe we'll talk a little bit about, about the, the atmosphere that exists between uh, sets of supporters every time this fix is played. But um, what do we make of the game? Uh, somewhat predictable, I thought. I mean, one one feared feared that we would, um, you know, struggle to 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 rise to the occasion, both sort of physically and and psychologically after the high of Thursday, and that sort of proved to be the case. Although, you know, um, got back in it and 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 had a go in the second half. It wasn't, you know. Um, it wasn't a disastrous performance. It was a decent performance, really, but we just we just didn't quite have the legs. And Tottenham are beginning to shape up under Conte, aren't they? As well, and I, 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 it, it wasn't it wasn't the ideal game to come up uh, three days after that no. that Thursday no. night. To be honest, um, no. so you know, just we you know move on. <laughs> what did you guys make of it, Lee? What do you want to start? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, watching the game, similar to what you guys probably saw as well, I just feel like that we weren't really at the races for that game. We are, our, our eyes are really focused on another um, tournament that we're going to talk about later on, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And you could, see, you could see it in the players. There were still a few chances for us to get something out of the game. But overall, I don't think anyone expected anything less than us probably taking the defeat. I was just hoping for no more injuries and the players get through and get themselves rested and prepared yeah. for, the, for the next game. Yeah, the um, I mean, last week on this podcast, we were sort of uh, we, we all, all three of us, or I can't remember how many of us were there. Um, yeah, three of us were talking about the game. There was a little bit of plea bargaining, sort of between you know taking a win for one uh, uh, at the expense of a loss in the other one, and whether we beat Seville and lose to Spurs or lose to Seville and beat Spurs seemed to be the kind of deal that we made and put on the table there. Well, I think that that was natural to do something like that. And I think, like everybody, there was a sense of inevitability um, after the heroics um, and the excitement of Thursday night that it would all fall flat on Sunday afternoon. And, mm-hmm. and thus it came to pass. But um, delving back into my memory banks um, and showing how truly an old man I am, I think there's a sort of similarity shaping up. Um, into the, dare I say, 75-76 season, 
when our form really tailed off after Christmas, the further we got into the European Cup Winners' Cup, as it then was. Mm. Um, and I can remember, for example, um, us um, defeating, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt in that yeah. extraordinary game that um, is very much part of West Ham folklore on a yeah. Wednesday night, having been stuffed the previous Saturday 6-1 at the Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you couldn't really believe it was the same eleven that trotted out um, only a few days later. And I think there's a, there, there is a parallel here. And I, I confess, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, later on, that I, I find all of this a bit of chickens coming home to roost because no one has been more critical than I of the failure that we've had to recruit further players, particularly in January. And although this was pretty much on the cards before the season started, um, and I think we're at real risk. We need to win the competition to make the top four. I think we won't even qualify for the Euro- Europa on, in league form, to be quite honest. It wouldn't surprise me if we came seventh or eighth. And therefore, we really need to win this tournament. And if we don't, and it's a tough one to win for obvious reasons, you know, Barcelona, much improved, yeah. are going to be lurking further along should we get there. Um, I think this season will be marked down as one of really coulda, woulda and shoulda. And Mm. that's a great indictment, I'm afraid to say, for everybody who lords David Moyes and and the rest of the setup, because it will be one to look back on, I think, in years to come, um, not with a sense of achievement if we don't win the Europa, but one of real regret because everything leading up to Christmas was in the palm of our hand and we just don't have the strength of depth within our squad to capitalise upon the obvious esprit de corps, if we're going French for tonight, um, <laughs> and and um, the clear um, improvement among a very, very small playing squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree entirely. Yeah, the um, I was <laughs> the only way I was able to uh, even engage with the game was uh, through the kind of live text service on the BBC website. And uh, ironically, I mean that was um, yeah, very positively disposed to West Ham, as you said, Jim. There were you know we sort of got back in the game, and you know th- that 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 text feed comes in very short sentences and. Uh, you know, a lot of them were along the lines of, you know, West Ham really got their tails up now, really banging on the door for an equaliser. You know, um, it, it seemed that we had, you know, good spells in that game. Um, yes. Uh, which is, um, you know, personally, I just think that's pretty remarkable after playing 120 minutes on Thursday night that we even sort of managed to uh, take part in the game in a sort of, you know, meaningful way. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, you know, if you look at it, we had quite a good spell at the start of the game. It was certainly a good spell of possession. Um, and the goal when it came, um, obviously he changed the formation for, to a sort of back three with um, uh, Masuaku and, and, and um, Johnson as, as wing-backs. Um, Masuaku struggled, really. Um, and uh, sort of between him and Cresswell, they, they, they sort of gave the ball away. Doherty was was on it and, yeah. and um it, it, it came slightly out of nothing that first goal and it was a bit unlucky you know zuma um just kind of kind of getting that deflection uh, over over fabianski and you know um but then they took a grip on the game spurs after that and and, and um you know we, it was it was one of those games where you had to score the first goal i think if we'd have got a goal 
um, uh, you know, it might have might have panned out differently because because overall some of our play was not was not bad, not half bad, and we had a good spell second half as 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 you mentioned. Um, but they they look threatening on the break the whole time. Son is hell of a player, isn't he? I mean, you know, mm. and uh, um, they're, they're they're a difficult combination for anyone to play against. Never mind if you've just done two hours of uh, high high intensity football on uh, three days before. So, it, well, you know, I don't think it was a, it wasn't a bad performance, put it that way. But but um, you know, just one of those things you have to you just to sort of say it felt inevitable. I mean, to to, to pick up on on, on Simon's point, I mean, I've been banging that drum a bit over recent weeks. Simon, I think I think you're absolutely right that it, that, that, that there's a sense of this might end up feeling one of those very incredibly frustrating, you know, um, uh, things. I, I just wonder whether or not actually, you know, um, I, I don't know where the where to point the finger of, of blame in terms of fa- that failure to recruit. Um, it felt a bit weird those bids going in right at the last minute as if to sort of that that felt out of the Sullivan playbook didn't it you know oh we have tried um yeah uh but obviously they would they would they were never going to come to anything you know 50 million pound bids for for Rafinha and and for an injured Leeds midfielder who's only just getting back in the Leeds team anyway um so yeah I I I do you know we've got a history of it as a club it's in our DNA isn't it of sort of you know it's bubbles fading dying isn't it however you know, we're still we're still we're still fighting on a number of fronts. One thing about the league is the top eight is pretty now much the top eight, isn't it? There's a ten point gap, I think. Yeah. Leeds and whoever's next, Southampton or Villa or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Wolves, isn't there? Sorry? Aren't Wolves aren't terribly far away. The, yeah, yeah, just... that, yeah, that's the top eight. They're eight at the moment. Yeah. I was I was actually just having a look so at the um, the table now, guys, just to have a yeah. look and see what's going on and when you look at it, admittedly, recruitment would have maybe put us more in the in the running for a higher table position. But when you've got this Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Man United, then us, then Wolves, and then it's the drop off to Villa with thirty six yeah, points. Yeah, ten points, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're pretty much yeah. I, 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 looking at our squad and what we've done so far this season, I couldn't expect much more from the squad themselves yeah. than a seventh and a quarter final. In the Europa, um, but we definitely need to recruit in the summer desperately to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This was bleeding done. obvious before the season started. I mean, I had nothing. It's not. It's, it's not actually my criticism. Not aimed at January. Um, I remember well, we had the same discussion two years ago. Yeah. Um, there's nothing new now. Um, the idea of starting the season with just Michael Antonio, bless his cotton socks, yeah. up front, is is really quite ridiculous um yeah we never really you know this the whole season depended and i take your point lee you know it's it's been an achievement i'm not seeking to knock it but that's an achievement that's been founded in truth of an extraordinary central midfield axis of of obviously rice and Salchek, um who have remained not just fit but engaged and on it throughout yeah. the entire season yeah and it's been predicated upon Antonio unusually maintaining a high degree of fitness, on Jared Bowen really improving, and Zuma, I think, being fabulous, notwithstanding yeah. his disgraceful episode with a cat. But we'll yes. put that to one side and I'll focus on on-field matters. Yeah. Um, he's been absolutely extraordinary and particularly picking up the slack with Ogbonna being... With Ogbonna going missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But did yeah. you just... By the way... Foreseeable. 
Yeah, you, I'd add the re-emergence of Lanzini to that list, Simon, actually. I think yeah, he's, he's had, been a very been significant terrific. player now. He's been yeah. terrific, I, I agree. And he's come back to where he was just mm. before, of course, he got that terrifying, mm. terrifying injury. But yeah. that's now three or four years ago. He's now Did you see at... the uh, 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 piece of footage of uh, Kurt Zuma kicking a football gently towards the feet of... Uh, uh, Son Heung-min, who, who kicks a football with his feet for a living, but appeared <laughs> to be taken completely by surprise by the notion of a football gently bumping into one of his feet. Um, he should have been booked. Son yeah, should have I been booked. Than I mean, if that, was, if that was not seen by the referee, it should be picked up by VAR. You know, off, off the ball, um, elbows into faces are, you know, flagged by linesmen. They're also picked up by VAR. If the referee didn't see Son Heung-min going down like he'd been shot when the ball hit him gently on the heels, that's simulation. It's simulation and it's an attempt to, you know, manipulate the game in your favour. He should have been yellow carded at least for that. It's well, extraordinary. It's I find it? that extraordinary. Stop there with yeah. a certain Brazilian who um <laughs> yeah. his face... <laughs> down by a corner flag when I think the ball had hit him on, when he'd been kicked on the knee. But I and mean, of course, it really a was shameful. Uh, and of course, a certain Croatian. Yeah. Um, who shall remain nameless for our, yeah. to say, spare our blushes. But um, this really was, I think, quite outrageous. And I'm just relieved of one thing and one thing only, that it wasn't one of our lot that done it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's like, you know, it is really sort of, indicative of this sort of attitude to sort of uh, officiating these games because, you know, because sort of simulation and just cheating and diving is a sort of weird white-collar crime, it's never sort of punished. Whereas a couple of sort of super-adrenalised men in their early 20s squaring up to each other will quite often result in one of them getting sent off the fucking field. You know, it's it's appalling. It's an incredible... Um, you know, just indictment of the sort of moral compass of uh, what what be, you know what the FA have and what they think is important. Well, I, think should be part yeah, of. I, I, I mean, I thought Sunday was another dismal refereeing performance. In you know, it, it just this, the catalogue goes on this season. I mean, there was one point where Ben Rama was clearly hauled down a yard away from Anthony Taylor, and uh, he waved play on. You know, it, it was. Um, and Antonio, once again, being Romero, was basically playing rugby against Antonio the entire game. And uh, Antonio got no protection at all. And, of course, then he starts, you know, a bit of shithousery of his own going down. You know, because what else is... Uh, the problem is, you know, we it's it's right to blame players for, for this ridiculous, you know, kind of... Kind of um, diving and pretending you've been elbowed in the face and so on, all that kind of bollocks. Absolutely. But I also feel um, uh, our matches in the Premier League are, are so dismally officiated that, that uh, it contributes to the whole... It contributes. Uh, uh, alas, the referee on Thursday wasn't <laughs> disproved my, my theory that uh, continental refereeing is much better because he, he had a pretty hopeless game as well. But... Um, uh, I do think I do think it's it's an issue that a nettle that needs to be grasped because the standard of officiating is, uh, and I include the VARs in this as well. Some of the decisions they end up making, yeah, seem, seem ridiculous. You know, just not completely anti common sense. Much of it, um, 
Uh, and it's a real shame because, you know, it's a massive multi-billion pound issue. deserves better, really, than, yeah. a, than, than, a, than an organisation that marks its own homework and, and gives out jobs for the boys, basically. Mm. I think, I think they'd have to rewrite history to change all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the um, the disparity that we're talking about there in terms of the the standard of the refereeing, um, where it should be versus what we get in the prem- in the Premiership is was shown during the Euros how they yes. VAR and refereeing there. I was shocked to see how good it was compared to what we were experiencing yeah. in in, yeah. in the league. Um, so it does yes. it definitely needs to improve for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and generally in our European games, I mean, up until Thursday, um, he didn't have a good game. But, but generally, I think the standard has been, has been higher, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I can remember, as I say, playing, I'm sorry, going down memory lane. But I'm sure that you, Jim, and maybe you, Phil, I'm, I'm sorry, Lee, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But if you want a, <laughs> an example of absolutely bonkers European refereeing, and this was um, widely reported at the time, a certain William Bonds, I seem to remember, playing in a European game in 76, was booked by the referee because he refused to pull his socks up oh, to their yeah, knee because, of course, yes. Bill never played with shin pads and had his socks rolled down um, just to prove to everyone he was the hardest motherfucker that ever kicked a football um, in the history of the world. Um, and I think the referee was a German, Rudy Glocker, or some such name, and he actually booked dear old Bill. I do, yeah, I remember that. Wouldn't have, have his socks up. So before we start extolling the virtues of European <laughs> referees, um, let's just take a shop intake of breath, shall we? No, yes, I'm talking yes. currently, Simon. I mean, I, I actually think in those days, we had better referees on the whole. And, um, um, you know, I think it's, it's done a complete vault fast, that whole situation. Um, I, I, like Lee, was absolutely you know gobsmacked by the by how good the referees were in the euros that 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 came as a surprise to me really Um, yeah no it was very good um only other thought about sort of uh spurs situation at the moment is that it it feels to me like they finally got a manager in antonio conte that is uh completely in tune with the mindset of the more extreme elements of tottenham hotspurs fanship in that uh if they win a game of football conte is talking about european qualification and what a fantastic team they are all they have to do is lose a game of football (laughs) and conte thinks he's not right for the job wants to leave was tricked into managing Tottenham Hotspur FC, hates the board, they don't buy any enough, they don't buy new players, the squad's terrible, everything's awful. Um, uh, it's extraordinary. He's managed to kind of uh, um, <laughs> sort of completely embody the sort of schizophrenia of uh, that sort of element of Tottenham Hotspur fans. He's got like the perfect manager for them now. He's <laughs> well, um, yeah. an elite He's an elite manager, and the particular game that he's playing, I think, is actually quite smart. And I've got no doubt it's perfectly deliberate um, in order that whatever is the outcome, um, he will take the credit if there is credit to be taken, and he will avoid the blame and responsibility if blame and responsibility points in his direction. So I think he's actually um, being very, very astute. And as I say, I think he is an elite manager, um, and it is quite disturbing that he happens to be um, de- deploying his, his skill set at London um, N17, 
But yeah. there we are. Such is life. Yeah, no, he is very good. He's a top, top, top manager. He, there's no, there's no, no question. The only, the only silver lining maybe is looking at his record. I don't think he's stayed at a club for longer no, than doesn't. two years ever. Um, maybe Juventus for three years. Apart from that, he's a two-year man at max. So yeah. hopefully he's, um, yeah, hopefully things change in the future. Yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, so he normally wins a trophy, doesn't he, somewhere along indeed. the line, within yeah. that two to three year period, indeed. Lee, and that's, well, that's too they're... horrific for all of us to contemplate. <laughs> well, they're not going to win anything this season, and um, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I think, you know, um, everybody's thrashing Everton these days, um, and hopefully we do the same next, um, next time out, um, but, uh, and, and I don't think that game was represent. you know, you can read too much into the game on Sunday, Um and they've been inconsistent. They haven't achieved a high level of consistency under him. They're not nailed on to... They've been... You know, it wasn't that long ago. They had about four games in hand and were only a couple of points behind us. And that, yeah. a lot of that has been frittered away. So, um, you know, like I said, that the, the, the top eight is now that is going to be the, the, the finishing top eight. Um, the top two are the top two and probably the top three are the top three, although Arsenal might catch Chelsea the way they're playing at the moment. Um and and the rest of it's up for grabs. And, and and assuming Palace don't win the FA Cup, only only one of that top eight is going to miss out on some form of European uh, football. Um, so you know we've. I don't think we're out of European qualification in the league yet by any means. We've got some winnable games to come. Um, uh, I I thought the wheels were looking as though they were going to come off. They were certainly wobbling uh, post Christmas, but actually. From the Wolves game onwards, even though we haven't always won the games, we've been in every game and we've put in some yeah, very we, good performances. We so, improved in those two narrow defeats. Yeah. We? we were sort of, um, we we were actually, you know, ironically, given that we lost both of them, we we um, um, we seem to really pull our socks up. Um, yeah, which leads us to the Seville game, which is sort of yeah. one of the, you know, one of the best nights of football I think we've had in the last kind of decade, you know, the last game at the um uh, uh the bowling ground and yeah. uh you know the uh the playoff contest, you know, the roar when Suchek's goal went in reminded yeah, me of Vaz Tay and the playoff final. I mean just yeah. the kind of the you know the release of tension as well as the kind of you know explosion of joy was was quite extraordinary. I mean, the you know, it really did just lift the roof off. That was brilliant, brilliant. Uh, look, it was it was almost like a, a primeval um, scream that went out across sixty thousand. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not going for a moment to seek in any way to undermine um, the performance on Thursday night because it was a terrific performance, which owed I think uh, as much to pure determination. Um, and guile than it did anything else. But um, the real achievement was, of course, within the statistics. You know, Seville have never lost previously to an English side in a in a Europa Cup game. I mean, mm. it's an extraordinary thing. They simply hadn't until Thursday. And I was quite disappointed at the end of the first leg because I thought we had opportunities there actually yeah. to come away with a very least a draw, if not a win, in truth, and the yeah. Vlasic header straight at the bloody keeper from about two foot. Um, yeah. I know he was airborne, but come on, mate. You know, all you had to do was put it a foot either side of him, and it's a, it's a goal. Um, I, I, I had an awful feeling that um, we might regret 
not having actually capitalised on a couple of those chances yeah. over there. Yeah. Fortunately, on this occasion, we got away with it. And um, there was, I suppose, a romantic inevitability that the, the merest of tap-ins that was required for the winning goal happened, of course, to be scored by Yamo. Um, but I think even Mikhail might have got on the end of that one and shoved it in the onion bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, because I didn't buy my ticket in time, I was kind of standing on my own with a uh, uh, bunch of people. And I, um, in the first half, my my sort of two takeaways from it were um, that man for man, they were really good, Seville. I thought, God, it's like every player in this team's really tidy, really confident. Jim, you, you sort of describe them as kind of technical. They're very technical players. I thought their back four were great. I thought their two central defenders were really great. The guy with the top knot, I thought, was terrific. I was like thinking, who is that guy? We should get him. Um, I thought they were terrific. And just, you know, not, <laughs> not blowing my own trumpet by any means, but I, I thought, oh, Suchek's having a good game. Um and uh, then he popped up and scored. And uh, I did think I did think he and Rice returned to what they were doing last season. That sort of uh, like the Rolling Stones guitarists. They didn't. Neither was lead, and neither was rhythm. You know, they they genuinely did sort of work as a kind of very flexible unit. Both kind of cutting out potential attacks. Both putting a foot on it. Both playing a pass out of midfield. Um, they really shared that job the way they so successfully did last season. I agree. And, I, and to add to that, I also think that the likes of Emmanuel Lanzini and Fornaus demonstrated that it's more European sort of standard of football that we need to be able to play to remain in this competition going forwards because they, they pick up the ball and they've got their heads up under pressure. Yeah. They, still pick, they still pick the pass. They get us into the right areas of the pitch to have our opportunities to score. Looking at the stats for that game, like we were... 19, 19 shots, 19 total shots, eight on target. That's much more than what Seville had. Yeah. Uh, much much yeah. because of those players, especially at the end when you've got players like Suchek that were able to run the clock down, intelligent yeah. player, and really, really got, got us the game. So um, those players, they've, I think also having Lanzini in the mix with Suchek and Rice, when Lanzini's playing well, there's a nice combination between those players. There's a, yeah. there's a, a bit of everything's there for us. I, I, I mean, you know, you, you just expect Rice these days to be, you almost take for granted that he's going to be brilliant every game. But he, yeah. was, he was just extraordinary, but also yeah. extraordinary were, I agree, Lanzini had a fantastic game. I thought Fornals was magnificent. Antonio had a great game. They were good, those centre-halves, but he absolutely gave them a torrid time. The yeah. number of times they got too tight to him and he turned them... Um, uh, and I just everybody stepped up. I thought I, I mean, Dawson. I mean, can we believe Dawson could have been that good when we <laughs> signed him? It was an extraordinary. You know, it's just one of those nights where every, everybody lifted everybody else. Um, yeah. They had a sort of sense of just a kind of kind of uh, just had an imperative about it. A kind of kind of you know you, they shall not pass feeling to it and um it, it was magnificent it might have been our cup final and that's my slight worry you know we've yeah, got yeah. it's only around 16 came and we were um you know celebrating like i mean rightly so because it's because these things don't come around very often for us but um you know we, we we've got to go it's going to be difficult um 
it's an advantage to have that away leg second. And we, we both next rounds, if we if we get through the quarterfinal and semifinal, we're at home uh, first on uh, on both yeah. occasions. It's a different kind of game tactically. You've got to be got to be able to adapt your game. Um, you know, you've got to try and get your nose in front at home if you can without you know giving away uh, a goal. Um, you know, it's it, it's yeah. We've got to get you. Know, we've got to properly go again, and we've got to create you know um, a similar kind of intimidating atmosphere for for, for Leon on the seventh of April. Um, yeah, that they've they've got their own struggles as a team at the moment. They've you know they've been very very good in recent years, but they they're, they're only about ninth or tenth in the league at the, the moment. Table, and, yeah. they, and they've had you know um, uh, you know they had Shakiri there, and he was expected to do well, and they, he he's he they've, they've, they've shifted him on. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think that game is, is, is one we can definitely, definitely win, but we are very likely to have to play a resurgent Barcelona after that. And that'll be interesting. That'd be amazing. I think. If yeah. We can get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's, that is the, uh, wolf that is lurking behind the door, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that, that will be an almighty struggle, um, yeah. frankly, um, Aubameyang, of course, is back to his best, and you know Xavi has done a terrific job in, yeah. you know, in changing the whole psyche of that club. Um, if yeah. we'd have played them three months ago, I don't suppose any of us would have been in a in a in a sweat about it. No, but no. Um, things have changed dramatically, and of course, the fact that they smashed Real in in the yeah. Clasico yeah. over the weekend is testament to how he really has brought that team on. And that's yeah. going to be one almighty test. But as they say, if you're going to win it, you know you're going to have to beat the best teams in the competition. Uh, so, absolutely. absolutely, yeah. And you know the fact that we're talking about this, <laughs> you know, two years after it looked like we might get relegated from the division is is yeah. extraordinary in its own right. <laughs> Lee, I, I completely agree. Um, the the sort of the technical nature of. Um, uh, the type of player that Fornells and Lanzini are is really sort of incredibly important for these for these European fixtures because they're the people that you know um, can go toe to toe with some of the uh, continental footballers and also help kind of pick pick the lock of a well organised defence. But uh, as you say, Jim, they were just I thought Lanzini was like a man possessed. He had all his technical chops. His passing was really tidy, but he was snapping into tackles. He was going shoulder to shoulder with, uh, you know, players of a much, much larger stature than him. Um, mm. And he didn't stop running. Didn't stop running. No. Same with four nows, you know. Of course, and he'll be, he'll be a miss in the next game because he's suspended, isn't he? He's got yeah. a yellow card, so. I mean, for me, I, I, I return to a theme of mine. And that is, I think that this, this tournament this season, for a lot of the players at West Ham, um, they will regard as their, really their only chance, obviously not Zuma because he's had huge success in European terms with Chelsea, but for pretty much everyone else, you're talking about Dawson, Jim. You know, when, when is Craig Dawson ever going to win um, exactly. a Premier um, yeah. European trophy? It's never exactly. going to happen. So for him, for Kreza, um, you know, even for Salchek, um, for Mikel Antonio... This is their real chance. And as much as I agree that European football is much more suited for the likes of Fornals and Lanzini, and I hope Vlasic or Ben Rama in, in, in the absence of Lanzini, um, it's, I think it's, it's equally important 
for the picking up the point you made that um on old-fashioned english terms no back four even with the old barca back central defense being restored are going to face a fancy taking on michael antonio in full no. flight no. and that's going to be it's almost um the corollary to the point you're making about is doing better in european football but we we have a real old fashioned bulldozer center forward who yeah. um plays his great strength is on the deck um running people in a way that they are never going to have experienced before in their lives yeah however much great football they've played be it domestically or internationally having michael antonio um essentially running through them um is not something they've experienced before no no um we um you know obviously uh uh we've got through that spell of games and we lost to spurs but now we face a bit of a rest which is uh, very good isn't it we we don't play again yeah. until we play everton on the 3rd of um april i think uh yeah. so you know a good yes. uh, good couple of weeks rest um, uh, and, and thankfully it seems that antonio hasn't been picked for three meaningless games with jamaica so yeah that's a relief I think that um, words were probably had in that. Yeah, you'd imagine so, yeah. Undoubtedly. And um, and I actually thought when Moisey pulled him off on Sunday, it was almost starting to premise the excuse that he's not going to be able to travel yes. to play for Jamaica yeah. Um, yeah. because it's difficult to justify why your player's injured if he's played 119 minutes on the Thursday night, followed yeah. by 90 in a London derby on the Saturday, on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you pull him off 20 minutes before the end, you're starting to, um, typical lawyer's point really, but um, you're starting <laughs> to lay that foundation of justification for why he couldn't possibly yeah. um, schlep halfway across the world yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. play um, for Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. So um, our next game is uh, Everton, obviously followed a few days later by uh, Leon. Um, the uh, uh, Everton are doing sort of uh, pleasingly, encouraging, but encouragingly badly at the moment. Um, just for the sort of excitement of the Premier League and for something kind of fun to happen in it, uh, I, I like them being in danger. Everyone should have a go at spending a season or two in the Championship. I think they all deserve it. And finally, when Villa went down, finally, when Newcastle went down, which they've done a couple of times, haven't they now? Um, it was very uh, it, it was very pleasing. You know, if you don't play well enough to stay in the division, you won't. And uh, then you've got to try and come back. Um, yes. I don't yeah. think it will happen. I think they will probably, you know, I think maybe, I think probably the bottom three is the bottom three at the moment. Yeah. It would take Burnley to turn it around, isn't it? I mean, the bottom, yeah. Watford, Watford and um, Norwich are dead men walking and have been yeah. in truth for quite a while. Yeah. Um, it's all about Burnley for me. Yes. Um, unless Sean Dyche can work his, you know, um, North, North West magic on them. Um, I just don't see it happening, frankly. No. And I think they've been dicing with it for too long. Um, yeah. For them, you know, maybe time has caught up with them and they simply did um, overperform for the last four or five seasons, which proves you can't run a Premier League club on a League One budget, however smart you think you are. No. It simply can't be done and you get found out in the end. And I fear that um, that's what's going to happen to Burnley, although it would be rather um, cruelly um, humorous if Everton 
having been in the top flight for what something like 70 years would yeah. finally bite the dust with Frank Lampard as their manager and having thrown millions and billions at terrible player recruitment that makes ours look like it's been done you know, <laughs> yeah. by a combination of, of, of Ron Greenwood and Bill Nicholson. Yeah. Um, going back to Tottenham West Ham rivalry, but it really does because their recruitment is to use a term absolutely piss poor. I mean, we've made some bad signings, but crikey, I know he scored the winner in the last kick of the game last week, but was it 30 odd million on Iwobi? Are you, are you joking? Yeah. I mean, crikey. Yes, it's well, not I think they, I think they've had that thing with uh, you know a, a quick succession of a succession of managers without without any sense of co you know continuity and how they might want to play the game. So you yet giving them money to spend on players. So you end up you quite often get clubs who end up in a position where they've had a succession of managers all who want to play the diff, different kind of uh, way, and you end up with a kind of slightly overwieldy squad of players who who you know who don't you just don't gel together very very yeah friendly. yeah I, know, I, think, I, I mean it's happening uh, it, it you know to a to a less dramatic extent in a way it's, it is it is partly man united's problem post ferguson isn't it in a way that lack of coherent vision as to how the how the club is going to going, going to move forward i mean yeah. you know sullivan and gold are so lucky they stumbled on yeah. Moyes, really aren't they oh, sure. lee what were you going to say just that um, with, uh, with Everton, just thinking that you know they kind of felt like they hit a formula when they had Ancelotti and things were going great that season for them. They made some great signings and things were working well. And then Real Madrid come and obviously take him away mm. to pastures new. And yeah. they have not been the same team for me ever since. And they could very well have a chance of going into the championship. I mean, we've been down there a few times ourselves and it's not a bad place to be as a fan to go around the, around the country and visit some different grounds yeah. and play a different, a different brand of football and you realise how appreciative you need to be when you find yourself in the Premiership and how hard it is to stay there. Mm. Um, for yeah. me, I just feel, I just feel like, like some of you guys have said that I think Burnley have just maybe, maybe this is their season, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, been, it's, been, it's, been, yeah. it's been close for a while. So. That, well, that a bit like Spurs with... That, a bit like Spurs with ominous, sorry, Jim. Sorry, uh, I was just saying that they lost to Brentford and that that felt very ominous, you know. That was yeah. a game they really had to win. Well, like Spurs, they had this sort of quite large number of games in hand. And like Spurs, they've slightly frittered those games in hand away. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny, isn't it? I, I, actually, 90s Everton were a bit like that before Moyes came in. They, yeah. um, I remember well, one one point, our, you know, on the back of the programme, our squad being about half the vertical length of their squad because they had about sort of 60 players in their team before they kind of had those, you know, enforced 25-player um, squad sizes. The other team that was a bit like that in the 90s was... Um, multi-manager Spurs when they sort of went through Ardiles, um, Jerry France, what was his name? Jerry yep. France? Yeah. Jerry Francis. Um, yeah. Jerry Francis, you know, Hoddle had a go, um, George Graham. They had about sort of what felt like about six managers and, in 18 and months. And that stunningly successful Swiss operator who had his presser yeah. and when he was announced to the team brought out his tube ticket and you could see Alan Sugar sitting there thinking... Um, whatever the graphic is, oh, for fuck, what have I done here? Um, yeah. You're fired. Really should have come out of his mouth there and then. When, Christian when that, Gross. Gross. I mean, gross. You know, gross. What, and grossly useless he was. I mean, if a man at least lived up to his name. But yeah. um, having said all of that, it would, um, 
I, I just take this point with you, Lee. Um, I'm sorry, but I found none of the time outside the top division enjoyable. I never have. And I'm a firm believer that West Ham, if properly run, should never not just be outside the top league, but should never even be in danger of it because everything you've discussed just now is a microcosm of what is wrong with football clubs and it is that they are badly run and the people who are paid a lot of money to be the ultimate decision makers frankly don't know what the fuck they're doing. And if they do get it right, invariably, it's more by luck than good judgment, I'm sorry to say. And we're talking about Moyes at West Ham. That was nothing more than... Um, a, a default position. You know, it had gone so drastically wrong twice. Yeah. And he was yeah, the only yeah. person who was available who spoke English. So <laughs> in, a, in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, that is. So he got the gig. Um, that's, that's not great thinking by Golden Sullivan and Brady no. to bring no. him in first time or even in second time. They, they had no option no. because it had gone so much pear-shaped. So it's no good them sitting there thinking, oh, what a smart Alec am I. Um, they, got, they, they dodged a bullet and got away with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Tottenham now have made a real stellar signing as a manager, but look at all the rubbish that um, Daniel Levy signed as managers going back to when he first became involved in the club. Didn't make a decent managerial signing until he was forced to sign Harry Redknapp. And mm-hmm. then, of course, things moved on. Got rid of Poch, then Mourinho, and what a disastrous signing that was. And then... Um, the man who came from Wolves, who sounds like he should be part of um, a service of the Catholic Church, yeah. um, you know, in, in the hot seat at Tottenham Hotspur. How ill-fitting was that? So these are all examples of real bad decision-making by executive management. And it's, again, another theme of mine. There's no such thing as a bad football club, only a badly run football club. And it applies to us as much as it does to Man United, yeah, yeah. as it does to Tottenham or Burnley or anybody else. If it's run properly, you're never going to get in this situation. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, bring, bringing things back round to the Everton game, uh, we've got a couple of weeks to um, uh, sort of freshen up for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've got to feel confident, really, haven't we? I mean, um, they are stuttering, aren't they? He's, he's not... Um, they've had some bad defeats, haven't they? It's like yes. that, uh, they got beat in the cup, didn't they? And 4-0. Um, yeah, 4-0. And I mean, it's like he needs wins to, you know, it's it's not the case that he would sort of sacrifice the cup for their league form, because I think a team that's like low on confidence just needs to get wins from anywhere, you know? Uh, so you can't kind of go, oh, well, I think I'll just throw the cup because I want to concentrate on keeping us in the division. It's like, you know, you've just got demoralised players that got spanked 4-0. They're not going to keep you in the division. Yeah. Um, on, yeah, so on paper it looks like it should be a should be a, a kind of routine win. But I'm I, I'm a big one for history between clubs, and we, uh, we we've we've got some wins over them in recent times. But our games against them are never easy. No, um, I think we sort of expected and probably should have been in a position to have beaten them last season, and they did us one nil. At home, if you remember, yeah, um, when Calvert Lewin was sort of you know sort of in his pomp, um, uh, I just wonder they've they've got they've got time to kind of kind of gird their loins and re and go again. He's he's got time to do for the first time probably a bit, a bit of work on the training field with them. Um, 
I don't think, but you know, by any means, we'll have our eyes on on the European quarter final. Um, complacency is the danger, and uh, yeah. I, I don't think it'll be an easy game. No, no, uh, but it's at home. I mean, maybe um, we should get on to predictions then for that particular fixture. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, Simon? I think um, the best we're going to get out of it is a draw. And right. I fancy a one-all. And the reason is simply this, that um, all our attention is going to be focused in four or five nights hence. Mm. And that is a huge um, leveller for a team that desperately want to avoid defeat and in, in Everton. So whereas if it weren't for that, I'd be very confident that we'd go out and actually give them a pasting. I think because of our, our focus of attention being completely elsewhere in a game of real significance, and in truth, I don't think that game has much. And so I think the, the, we'll do well actually to take a point out of it. Um, I'm not being pessimistic i'm just being realistic and yeah. pragmatic because of what's immediately to follow and no one's going to risk getting injured no one's going to risk pulling up in a sprint for the ball um and i think he'll probably field a semi-weakened side if he's got any doubt about anyone's viability to turn up against Lyon. right right jim what do you reckon well, Simon's kind of taken the words out of my yeah. mouth, really. I, 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 I very substantially agree with that analysis um, and probably would have gone for one all. Um, I, however, I'm going to say, actually, they're going to be short on confidence. It's a big game for them. They, they, they've, you know, they've got to start picking up points. They will be still looking over their shoulder. Um, uh, I think it's one of those games where if we can go at them early and get our noses in front, it might be quite difficult for them. So I, I'm going to go for a, a tight 1-0 win. Lee, what do you reckon? Well, I, I am... Um, initially, my thoughts were similar to some... I thought, I thought we were kind of looking at a draw. I think kind of like players want to conserve their energy and their form for the big game we're going to have against Leon. However, I've just got this feeling that we're we're going to turn Everton over. I think we're I think it's probably going to be two 0 to two one. So I'll say two 0 and I think it's going to leave me worrying for the Lyon game because of how much how important that is versus the Lyon, the quarterfinal match. I think there's I think I don't think Moyes is going to field a particularly weak weak side for that. I think he still wants to be able to finish high in the table and has confidence in in the work rate of his team. I mean, even I think it was after the win against Seville. The players got went back to him and said, "Like, can we have um, tomorrow yeah. off?" And, and he was like, "No way." He was like, "That's not how it works here," sort of thing. So, yeah, he, he, bloody right too, Frank. Yes. Bloody right too. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm so glad we'll we've see. got a manager like that. Yeah, I think You're so. Yeah, paid a hundred hundred plus grand a week. I'm sorry, just because you win on a game on a Thursday night, however monumental and however celebratory that was, and you got a big game against our major rivals in the world on the Sunday. No, you're not going out on the piss on yeah. the Thursday night. You've got to be in training um, at the normal time on Friday. And he's yeah, absolutely yeah. spot on there. Quite yeah. agree. It was actually, uh, uh, that, that kind of came out in a sort of post-match, because it was on BT Sport, wasn't it? Interview with um, uh, Declan Rice with uh, both Coles, Colton and Joe, uh, interviewing with him. And uh, we were saying it was sort of on in the pub when we was, where we went after the game. And we were sort of... Um, Talking about how um, uh, how erudite and uh, what a nice bloke Declan Rice seems. You know, he's a very good talker, very good attitude, 
really kind of up positive attitude. You can sort of see, you know, that he's probably an extremely good captain, uh, a very good person to have around the place. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, just before I, yeah, I make a prediction, which is going to be three one. Um, so just one booking means that Lanzini will miss the Leon game. Is that right? No, it was his second. It was oh, was his second it? Yellow. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a shame. Let me uh, just pick so... up on this for anyone who's who watched the game um, or, or last week or watched any of the um, BT coverage of West Ham in Europe. Um, isn't it just wonderful to see Joe and Carlton of the yeah. same surname um, really, really getting behind the team yeah. and n- completely accepting their bias all the way through? <laughs> no excuse, um, not even a semblance of apology. It's um, for the purpose of these transmissions, even though it's a bit more difficult for Joe because he's, on, he's, he's got a coaching gig at Chelsea. But for this is unabashed. And it's all we, 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 and we're going to do this. And I just thought how fabulously biased and refreshing it was to see two <laughs> yeah. former footballers who've both played for West Ham actually say what they want to say and not be in any way um, concerned about how it might come across to the, quote, neutral viewer. Sod that. Yeah. Um, let's get behind the boys. And I thought that was really exciting and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's just going to make for better television, isn't it? It's just going to make for better television if you've got sort of a couple of guys who are just massively enthusiastic about the game that's unfolding in front of them. I think um, I think in contrast to that, guys, I don't know if any of you saw the Europa draw where they had a ex Seville goalkeeper, I think it was, an ambassador for um, for the competition. I did see it. Yeah, conducting the draw, and they was you know made a few points towards saying, "Well, really sorry, your team's been knocked out." And by us, the team that would, no, no one's expected that, you know, to knock out a six-time Europa, Europa sort of um, champions. And you could see the face he had on him was of complete sort of despair and disbelief that his team were not in this draw. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. To achieve yeah. that, to achieve that with the squad we have, I'm very proud of them, to be honest with you. I don't remember yeah. back, way back um, the um, previous, um, previous European Cup, as it were. Um, this, to me, is huge. Uh, losing to Spurs, I, I really couldn't care less. I've never... No. I've never been in a situation where a game losing to Spurs, there, had, there was something else coming ahead that was much, much bigger than that. It was always, that would be one of the biggest games of the season. And yeah. to be moving well, forward. You have actually, Lee, because you, even you have got to be old enough to remember 2006. I was there, my friend. Um, I was in the and, ground. And the point I'm making yeah. is um, playing Spurs, um, winning that game to stop them getting to the Champions League was enormous for all of us, notwithstanding we had a cup final only six days later. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. take I, your point. I take I agree. your point. Absolutely. And it just, really didn't I, matter in the end. Yeah. I, I think on, just on the basis that we could be playing Barcelona next, um, is, is, I, I struggle to still yeah. say it without smiling, without getting excited <laughs> at the thought of that possibility that we're, yeah. we're, that is in front of us. And my, and my belief is, is that whoever wins the semi final on our side of the draw probably wins the competition, is, is my belief. Yeah, well, that's, uh... Uh, and and just to, just to cap that off, I'm just going to add to another because because to one of um, another stat to Simon's earlier on about Seville because I think um, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think it's the first time Seville have lost a European Cup tie uh, when they were when they won the first leg since 1981. Wow! Yeah, yeah. You know, they're 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 a serious European team. They're above Barcelona in La Liga. 
you know, don't we mustn't, you know, let's not do down. It was, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a big well, achievement when he on Thursday. To, to just to add to that as well, one other story I'll tell you is that when me and my brother was actually out in Seville to watch the the first leg, and we um at the end of the game, kind of we came away having taken the loss, and we chose to kind of like meander our way through the Spanish bars where all the Seville fans were, rather than the West Ham fans, just to meet to meet the locals and kind of have a drink with them and stuff. And so many of them were saying to us, oh, so sorry. You're so sorry that we got, you got drawn against us. And it's very unlucky for you. It's your first time at this stage and you've got <laughs> us. And in my head, all I felt, I, I didn't say because I didn't want to offend anyone, but I, in my head and in my body, I felt I wanted to say, this isn't over. And I do believe we're going to turn you over next week. Yeah, and, it has come, and it has come to pass. So, you know, we've done something that so far that's no one thought we would be doing at the start of this season. And yeah. the, story, the story still has more to go. Well, yeah, whatever the Spanish is for sang froid. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think on that note, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans. With me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. Uh, Lee J. Take care, guys. And Simon Pentel. Be lucky, everybody. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show... Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.